in, in real estate, there, this is a gray area. You don't have to have a license to get a finder's fee right. from an investor, you know, who's not licensed, who buys a property. Investor Network Podcast, hashtag the network. This is episode 14, brought to you by Proven Resource and Sobel Law. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Michigan Real Estate Investor Network Roundtable Podcast. It's a lot of words to say. Um, I am here with the Mr. David Sobel. Hello. Uh, hello, hello. And uh, then we have Brianna Beats. And then, Amber, I, I do not have the pleasure of your last name. What is it, madam? Uh, it's Barney, which is pretty easy to remember. Amber Barney, <laughs> we got it. And everybody knows Amber as the awesome, fantastic skydiver. And then I am Blair Clark. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah, so um, I am literally just riffing it right now. So uh-huh. we've got our pink microphone squishies. Um, so we're here at Michigan Investment Title. Uh, we are going to talk some real estate today. We're going to get some law questions answered. And we are ready. Um, so one of the one of the questions that I have is um, just I am currently pursuing my real estate license. Okay. So I've been doing all of my business uh, without a license. And then a few things that I did, I did uh, personal before I even formed my LLC. Um, so I guess it's not really a question. I'm just like an ask, like, could you give a better description of what are the benefits for myself of so my first few fix and flips I just did personally okay um then I got a rental property so I have my first rental property and I formed an LLC for that um and then I also did my first uh wholesale transaction not too long ago so just what are the benefit what are what can you just explain like I have I have an idea obviously that's why I'm pursuing it but can you explain for the group what are the benefits for anybody who's um, investing to pursue their actual license as a realtor like what what will this be able to do for me maybe streamline what will it open up for me different things like that okay well first of all just so we're on the same page Mm -hmm. I actually am a licensed real estate broker Okay. And I've had that license for almost, I think it's 25 years now, but I don't really use it. Like I've never, in fact, to, you know, in interest of full disclosure, I just purchased a property and I called a friend of mine to get into the property because I'm mm-hmm. not in an MLS or anything like that. Okay. As an attorney, I do, as a real estate attorney, for whatever reason, I've always had the real estate brokerage. I've never really sold my own properties. And I could get a kickback if I, not a kickback. Oh, we're not going to say that word kickback. Mm-hmm. I could get, that's the wrong <laughs> word. We're not using that word. Um, Edit it, uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, by the way, kickbacks are illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I can do is I can get a, a partake in the commission, right? I can okay. have the realtor give me a discount on the commission okay. or I can even earn a referral mm-hmm. fee. So the first thing I would say is if you have a real estate license, you may not be buying the property, but you're out and about doing transactions for yourself. And then something mm-hmm. uh, something comes up and you can refer to a friend who's a real estate uh, broker. And you can yes. say, you know, I look at him. I'd like to get a, a finder's fee. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you don't in, in real estate. There, This is a gray area. 
you don't have to have a license to get a finder's fee right. from an investor, you know, who's not licensed, who buys a property. Uh, that is a gray area because some people would say, well, you located the property, you're kind of getting a commission. So you have to be very careful there. Okay. With, I always with say the, get the terminology that you use. You it's, be it doesn't matter what you call it. Uh-huh. It's the actual function or, okay. or, you know, how you're getting that money. But let's say you're, um, I don't know, let's say you're driving down the street, you find a property, and then you call your friend who's an investor and go, I really, that's a great house for you. You should purchase that home. And they, you know, give you some money as a finder's fee. You know, some people would say, well, that's a commission. Other people would say, no, I mean, I want you, you're bird dogging for me. You're working for me. Mm-hmm. But because you're an investor, not really holding yourself out to the public. See, the, the real estate laws, uh, especially the licensing laws, are here to protect the general public. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there's also our, I know I'm getting off track a little bit. I'm known for that because real estate is so broad and there's so many concepts um, out there. But, you know, people who do wholesaling, mm-hmm. there's an argument that if you uh, sell more than five properties a year and you're flipping those properties as a wholesaler, that you should be licensed. Okay? Yeah, that was actually just in the um, section that I just went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the first times that I ever talked to Dylan, I mentioned the radio show that the two of you used to have. Um, and I was just about to close on my first wholesale Mm -hmm. deal. I did not know the two of you had a radio show. Oh, we're syndicated and we have like a, we're, we're making tons of money. (laughs) It was, it was totally legit, (laughs) but he, Dylan posted something in his Facebook, uh, uh, just a a snippet of your show that dealt specifically with wholesaling, Mm -hmm. which led me to click on it, which led me to just watch uh, that show that you had that answered the question that I didn't know that I should not do more than five transactions in a 12 month period without a license, mm-hmm. um, which just made me kind of sink a little bit like, well, that really limits, you know, what I, what I can do and pursue. And then I was like, well, maybe I should just, you know, pump my brakes a little bit. I haven't even done one yet, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, so I thought, well, okay. So that started rattling around in my brain. Like, well, maybe I should just pursue this since mm. I'm going to be pursuing this more full time anyway. Sure. No, but that, what you're what you're saying is uh, definitely very important. If you mm-hmm. get your license, you can then, you know, of course, you can get referral fees and they're legitimate. They have mm-hmm. to be disclosed. Whatever you do, always disclose. OK. Yeah. But that's number one. Number two, if you have your license, you've gone through at least 40 hours of study <laughs> Uh, that's been sanctioned by the state. So what you're doing there is at least you're educating yourself. Mm-hmm. And you you have some li- responsibility and liability to people, uh, the general public, again, that when you're going to purchase a home, because if you're wholesaling, you're coming into a property, you need to tell them if you're, if you're going to buy that, by law now, now that you're licensed. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm a licensed real estate agent. So Amber, you, you are, I know you have your license. Are you actually a realtor? Do you yes. work for, for a company, specific company? Yeah, so I've always wanted to have my license, um, but I never really wanted to do it the traditional route of yeah. taking people around and them not wanting to buy a house because of paint color and that kind of thing. I understand. It sounds it, like a pain to me. Yeah. Too. yeah. <laughs> I want the ugly homes personally. Yeah. Um, so I knew that I wanted to pursue it and get it, so I did. But then at that point, I was kind of stuck where you were. Um, what broker do I choose at that point? Um, because going through the licensing, you might uh, start to understand they don't actually teach you how to sell. They're only teaching you the legality of it. So mm-hmm. I was kind of stuck at the point of trying to find out what broker may be investor friendly because that's the route that I wanted to take with it. 
And um, so I just kind of did some research online and I didn't really find much, but I found that Keller Williams did really good training. Um, we, at that point, we kind of found a couple uh, investment groups. Um, sorry, we didn't really go into it. I'm a new investor myself. So we're just now kind of starting out. And um, so I found that some people did use Keller Williams. So I'm like, all right, well, maybe I'll go there. So I did. And they had a lot of training, which was awesome. But when I started going to a lot of RIAs, the things that were coming up, I didn't have anybody at the broker to ask about because uh -huh. they didn't focus on that. They focused on retail. So we kept going out, kept going out. And we actually met Jeff Ship, who also has his license. And turns out he's with a broker that's investor friendly. And that's Carrington, now their villa. Okay. And uh, so I started talking with them and they're awesome. Um, they'll help you out with things. They do a lot of investor things. And I mentioned it at the round table on Thursday with wholesaling. Do you guys do fees for that? And trying to, it's just starting to open up of what questions to ask. So, yeah. And that was an awesome question that you had, which is a question that I had as well. So at the Rio of Macomb on Thursday, there was a representative of a brokerage company that I wish I knew their name, Realty something. I know that Dylan knows the name of it, but the representative, his name was Dennis. Um, and so we, I remember Amber asked him the question of when you do a wholesale deal, since that's a little bit like in limbo, your assignment fee is not a commission, it's an assignment fee. Where does that go? Um, and so that question wasn't actually answered. So perhaps we can pursue Dennis a little bit more and get that question answered. Um, because yeah, as a, as a wholesaler, I would be curious if I become an agent and then I'm under, you know, under a broker, um, you know, what happens with the with the assignment fee since it's not actually a commission. Cause a lot of the, these brokers that are investor friendly, they're not charging you an arm and a leg. Mm -hmm. Like Keller Williams was $105 a month. Um, I didn't know at the time and they didn't really tell me cause I signed up at an Ann Arbor office. They got me on the Ann Arbor board. I had no idea about real comp and Grandmar and all that stuff. So I was just going through the motions and starting to dig into things. So now I switched over to Villa and real comp is actually the bigger MLS that you really want to get onto. Okay. And, um, the dues at Villa were way more comparable and, um, they were just in my realm of what I was personally looking mm -hmm. for and they don't charge as much either. Their transaction fees are low. So it was just doing the digging and going through the motions of it. So I think either Dylan's or Villa are both very good at investor friendly, um, agents. So We'll definitely look into it yeah, more. Yeah, right on. Mm -hmm. um, and there's just so many things out there that you can choose from. You might as well choose something that is specific to to your needs, just like any service industry. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Brie, if you want to talk Airbnb, <laughs> I know you've got a lot of really awesome, cool things. I know everything runs really smooth and you don't ever <laughs> nice. run into any issues. No, and it's no. just completely glamorous living for yeah, you. Yeah, my life is yeah. perfect. I have no stress. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so I'm Brie Beats for anyone who doesn't know. Um, you guys, if you watch podcast, you met my husband, he's big and loud on some of the other ones. Um, so modest and humble. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm super competitive, like especially in my marriage and that's probably not healthy, but <laughs> anything my husband does, I'm like, I can do that better than you. <laughs> so when we got into real estate and we're new too, I knew there was no way we could work together. It was just not happening. So I've always been in customer service. You know, I went to college, got a degree, didn't really use it. So I decided like, I'm really good at spending money and decorating my house. And like, I love people. So I'm going to get into Airbnb. 
So we bought into some education. Um, I started my Airbnb business. My husband handles all of our dealings in Indianapolis. Um, and so it's a little bit different than what you guys are doing. So I don't have some of the same pain points, mm -hmm. but you know, I still come to all of the, the meetups and networking is huge because even with Airbnb and there not being as many people that are in the Airbnb business, it's amazing how many things like I've learned along the way or, or help that I've gotten from people like uh, T.O. Bogdan. Everybody knows T.O. He's a great guy. We were in a meeting and he's like, I've got this property that I'm sitting on. I can't get tenants in. It's January. You know, no one wants to move in. And I was like, I'll take it. I'll put an Airbnb in it. And so it was nice too, because he's an investor. I do rental arbitrage. So I don't mm -hmm. buy my properties and then Airbnb them. I rent them from a landlord. I make sure they know what I'm doing. I have specialized leases. Um, and then if it doesn't work out, then when my lease is up, I just don't renew. Right. And I know I can go take all that furniture, go move it somewhere else. So when Tio said he had this property, it was great because I didn't have to convince him that like what I'm doing is not illegal. There's nothing shady. You know, he's an investor. He's seen what I've done. And so he was like, okay, whatever. So it really is important that even if you feel like you don't quite do what we would consider like mainstream real estate investing, mm -hmm. you never know how you're going to get help if you're out meeting people and networking. That's really creative. Definitely. I didn't know an Airbnb, you could go out and lease the property from yeah. someone. That is really interesting. Um, yeah. It was it's real glamorous. Yes, yeah. super glamorous. <laughs> uh, it, um, we, you know, like I said, we started kind of at the same time. My husband and I, we decided we were going to get into real estate, and I was doing my thing, and he was doing his. And certain aspects of real estate, there's capital that's required. And so it was like, well, I want this house. My husband's like, well, you can't have that house because I'm spending the money on this house. So you're going to have to figure out how to pay for that. And I'm like, well, I stay home with our kids. What do you mean? You're how I pay for things. You're my bank. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, our, our joint checking account, there it is. And he was like, no, no, no. So it really worked out for us. I know it's not for everyone, but it's, it's been a great business model for us. And, um, you know, everybody talks about pick one thing and stick with it. So, mm -hmm. I've done the Airbnb for since July. So close to what is that? Eight, nine months now. Um, and now I'm like, okay, do I want to keep doing Airbnb? Do I want to make this a career? Do I want to learn to wholesale? Do I want to get my real estate license? So, but it's so important to pick one thing and stick with it. Even mm -hmm. if I think Blair, you were just saying on the Facebook page, like your parents taught you finish what you're doing. Hey, you read my post. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I was reading all of these like life yeah, that goals was good. and things yeah. that people instilled my parents really dropped the ball because i was like trying to contribute <laughs> way to go mom and dad my yeah. parents taught me like look both ways before you cross the street <laughs> which is valuable yeah, yeah. you're here yeah. i survived how did you get the idea in the first place because i i didn't meet you but i saw you at the february macomb maria you stood up and you presented what it is that you were doing. And I'm just like, where does anybody even yeah. like think of that concept of like putting inside something, you know what I mean? Like it's floating Airbnb. Yeah. Where did, where did that yeah. drop into your brain? So my husband actually gets the credit for that one and I hate to give him credit, but I do when I have to. That was his brainchild. Yeah. So again, it went back well to like, I wanted to do an Airbnb. We already had one Airbnb that was our primary home. We moved from Georgia a year ago. So we set it all up and we handed it off to a property manager. And so I was like, I want more. And again, we went back to, well, you can't have more because we can't afford for you to have more right now. You're going to have to figure it out yourself. And so my husband, then I was, I thought, well, I'll go get a W-2 job. I'd worked in HR previously. And um, he stumbled across it. I don't even know how. I was at a bachelorette party in Nashville when, <laughs> when he texted me at like two in the morning and said, I want to do this. And I was enjoying bachelorette festivities. Like, so I was like, great, sounds great. Idea. 
yeah. And then I the next morning, and I love you. We <laughs> exactly. So he he said, I found this education. This guy teaches you how to do it. I want to purchase it. And again, I'm like, great idea. And I sober up the next morning, and I'm like, what did we just do? Did you do that? Did we buy that? He's like, yeah. And so at first, I was more skeptical, but it ended up for me. It was the education was worth it. It paid off. It taught me a lot, and it, it's definitely been worth the money. That's, That's awesome. fantastic. Is would there be any legalities that she might need to be aware of um, <clears throat> with like the Airbnb inside you know, of the so lease pro- property? That? Right. You know what's so crazy about that is when I met Bree and she told me this what at one of the Macomrias. Uh-huh. I'm, I've never heard of that. I mean, I know what arbitrage is. If you go to, um, of course, if you go to hotels that are being built like right now, a lot of these hotels that are being popping up all over Michigan. Like, why are so many hotels? Well, Travelocity and all these companies out there, they're, they're not building a hotel, but they're doing a job into the operating room and saying, we want all five floors. We will guarantee where it takes three floors. I tried to break free, you tried to keep me bound. I tried to live right, you tried to keep me down. But now I'm going up, I'm moving high then. Anywhere that I've been before, I'm fine, man. It's kind of crazy, like my feet are lifting off the ground. I'm touching heaven with my hands, now to get the sound. But though I'm flying, my head is still level and I won't be bound. Down to hear the whispers of the devil, now the future is here and it looks real bright and it can be yours too. If you set your path right, I know life can be hard, but you were put here to win. Just refuse to quit when you're down and get back up again Man, I used to wrap my music from my tiny bedroom And though I dreamt of being free, I felt trapped like in a tomb And even though the times are dark and I can barely even see Through all the tears I sit and pen, weave out my destiny But now the days are gone where I would listen to the critics Who counted me out before they ran the proper analytics I'm here to stay, just like the deck was waiting to be curled And I'm throwing up the chorus as I'm singing with the world
have a choice if you wanted to be able to flush the toilet sorry <laughs> so those aspects of it it's you're constantly pleasing everyone yeah and some of the landlords I have one who Tio is the best because like I said he's an investor mm. he, we know him you know we've got a good working relationship and so we haven't had any major issues but he understands like I'll look at your calendar and see what's coming up I have my very first property where I thought I just need to get my foot in the door I just need someone to tell me yes is um, a couple who are are not landlords, they're not investors, they just had this house, moved out, let it sit vacant for a year because they got in a fight with a neighbor and then said, well, I guess we should rent it since we can't sell it. So we came into all of these issues because the house sat vacant Mm -hmm. for a year and they're like, well, it wasn't a problem when we moved out. I don't get why it's a problem now. Well, it was a problem, you just didn't know. And so when things go (laughs) wrong, they, they don't always jump to fix it. They're my ones that are like, well, we legally have 30 days. So it's definitely something to be aware of. You see, Blair, I know how to get to the essence of the problem. Yeah. yeah. That's my job, yeah. right? That's yeah. your job. So, That's your skill set. Right. I just want, you know, mm-hmm. like everything, because real estate investing, you know, it all seems, you know, mm-hmm. like pie in the sky. It's going to be glamorous. It's a lot of work. No yeah. matter, you know, matter what mm-hmm. you're doing, you can be in it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. It doesn't matter. But what, which, what to illustrate what uh, Brie was talking about, though, is how creative you can be in real estate. Like that's one aspect. Yeah. You don't have to ever do Airbnb. You can do um, land contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, by the way, they, they're highly regulated as well, but you can get involved in so many different areas of real estate. So getting back to the first question, if we're coming around back to your initial mm-hmm. question, which is, you know, what good is having a real estate license? It just opens up the world to so many possibilities, mm-hmm. right? That you may not, we, you know, may have never known about. But you're not a licensed real estate agent. No, I right? actually uh, signed up when we moved here, so still I didn't have an Airbnb yet. And I said I'm going to get my real estate license, and I started the course. I, I did the online yeah. course, uh-huh. and I have two toddlers, so. It kept saying, like, you have 36 days left, and you have 35 days left. And I was, like, four minutes into my required 40 hours. <laughs> and so finally I was, like, asking people. They're like, you don't need it. It's fine. So I thought, well, I don't really need it. I didn't. Right. So we just didn't finish it. And now I'm kicking myself because I'm like, why did I do that? I paid that money. I should have just bit the bull and done it. At the very <laughs> least, you can get a referral fee. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, again, I'm a, I've been a licensed broker for well over 20 years. I have never asked another agent for a referral fee mm-hmm. ever. I think I should, but then there's so many other things that come from, you know, making referrals, et cetera. You want the reciprocity. Yeah. Right. That's not really where I'm at. No, and it does open up the door because I was just telling someone that I was, uh, that I had just signed up for the course. I hadn't even launched into it yet. Like I had like five minutes because I'm a toddler mom too, to sit down and just actually like enter my credit card information and then go change a diaper. And, um, so I was just telling someone like, Hey, I just signed up for the course. I have zero minutes and logged into it at this point in time. And they're like, Oh, we're going to list our home this summer. So does that mean that you can list our house? And I said, yes. I don't know how to do that yet, but yes, I can list your house. I will take that commission for sure. Uh Um, And then it was like, okay. So that even opened my mind up to it more. Like I could actually be a realtor from time to time. If someone, Mm -hmm. you know, friend or family 
has that type of need. Um, you know, so like I said, I will have to figure out how to do that and, uh, and, and list things on the MLS. Um, I'm like three hours, I'm like three hours into the course right now, (laughs) but, but yeah, no, it does. It opens different things up. Um, I'm currently still operating under the mindset. I'm sure you guys have all heard, like, it's better to know a friend with a boat than a, have a boat. Right. Oh, and so yeah. for me, I'm like, <laughs> it's better to have Blair who has her real estate right. license so that the one time a year I need it. Yeah. I've got it. Well, I would say sure. the MLS access though has been like the big key to it mm-hmm. that I don't have to ask anybody for it. I have full access anytime. I get something that comes over, you know, email, a house that comes up for sale, wholesaling uh-huh. or whatever. I can instantly look at it. It can be 11 o'clock at night and I can start searching things and I get the back end of it. So I know a lot more about it. I can see the taxes on it, the history right. and all that kind of stuff. So it, that's been a big bonus. I think that would be, it. that would pay for it. Oh, right? for sure. Right. For sure. Is yeah. having the data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then also having the option, um, you know, if you're wholesaling and someone doesn't want to take the absolute bottom dollar, you can say, well, okay, then we can list it. We can list it for you. And then you don't have to just relinquish it, which is something that I've had to actually do. Just say like, well, I'm sorry then, and just let them go and just, you know, watch that lead walk away metaphorically because I'm actually like in the room with them. But it's, you know, that's a bummer. And now I'm just like, okay, I can tell them, well, actually, I just put my other hat on and now I can just list your house for you. Um, so speaking of wholesaling, <clears throat> Amber, you had reached out to the group a little while ago mentioning that you had a property somewhere downriver, Inkster-ish, yep. the Inkster area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to elaborate, how's that going? Is this, this is your first one? Yeah. So uh, my partner and I, Josh, he's also a skydiver. Yeah, we're the crazies. Um, so skydiving is not a retirement plan by any means. Really? I know. <laughs> so much fun. Though. Well into your 70s, you can be doing it. <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of hard on your body that much. Um, So we actually have a construction background. Uh, We met in Arizona. That's where we're mostly from. We've only been in Michigan. This will be our fourth year um, in granite. So he was a granite installer. I was a salesperson at a granite fabrication shop. So we went through the big boom in Arizona and then also the crash. So we had the roller coaster effect and got into skydiving. So we're like, screw life right now. We're just going to go have fun. (laughs) So we got here and realized, wow, you can buy houses way cheaper here than you can in Arizona. And so I ended up getting my real estate license. He actually got his contractor's license. So we're trying to come at it from both ends. And our initial, um, getting into it was we want to do flips because we like construction. Mm. And, uh, so we just started getting into the RIAs, finding people, that kind of stuff. We heard that bandit signs were actually a good way to get leads. So we went out and planted a bunch of bandit signs till three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, and we did actually get a couple calls from it. And it's funny because we didn't plant them in Inkster and we ended up getting a call for a guy who must work in that area, saw our sign and he has a house there. Mm-hmm. And then we also got a call for Detroit as well. And uh, so the Inkster house, having access to the MLS, we thought it was actually pretty good. Um, It's not our criteria for a flip. So we figured, well, why not still make money on it? You know, so let's try wholesaling it. And so we started researching into how wholesaling goes and all that kind of stuff. So through the friends of networking, Jeff Ship has been awesome, Mm -hmm. Um, a really good mentor for us. And uh, we... We actually got it under contract, which was kind of a funny story, too. It's actually an older gentleman. His kids are helping him get out of the home. Uh, it's the house they actually grew up in, and they're putting him into assisted living. So the kids are helping him. 
And um, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, so um, yeah, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh, we went there, and the house is actually in pretty good condition. Mm-hmm. And there's not much needed for it. But again, it's kind of nice talking to your husband, who's mm-hmm. actually a buy and hold guy, and finding out because we think that the kitchen needs to be done. We think some of these repairs need to be done. But if it's a buy and hold, maybe it doesn't need that much. Um, so just trying to put it out there, but it's hard because there's parts of Inksters that are bad. There's parts of Inkster that are good. So we're actually kind of struggling with, um, finding a buyer. So okay. we're starting to look into creative financing and that's where we kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit more to find out because the father actually still has a loan because they did a, uh, they, um, built onto the house. Okay. So they said that they have a loan about 50,000 on it. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if there's a way to do seller financing with them having a loan and maybe being able to still take on the property, turning into a rental, have them pay off that loan. Mm-hmm. And then now we have the property if we're not able to mm-hmm. wholesale it. So we're trying to get creative. I mean, you can do that. You know, uh, you're really, a, you're going to be agreeing to assume his mortgage payments. Mm-hmm. The lender, however, is not mm-hmm. going to Right. Give you that assumption, meaning, you know, they, first of all, lenders don't care where they get their payment from so mm-hmm. long as the payment's current. Okay, that's number one. But if you have a contract where he sold the property and it's recorded, so that's a land contract, really that seller financing is a contract, it's called a land contract. Mm-hmm. If you file that and record that, it could trigger what we were talking about on the last episode when, um, uh, we were talking about uh, do on sale. It could trigger that, so it becomes problematic. Now, if the only way you're going to get legal advice from me is I have to drive all the way to Romeo, yeah, it's okay, it's worth it. Yeah. But uh, it's really important. I and mean, what you really bring up conceptually is a really important thing for anybody watching us. Yeah. And that is first, every transaction that you do is going to be different than the next transaction. Mm-hmm. There's not one deal that's ever really the same. Conceptually, they have working parts that are similar, but it's more about just the contract or uh, the underlying mortgage. It's also about the people that you have to deal with too, mm-hmm. right? But that land contract that you that seller financing that you're thinking of getting involved with, you can do it. You can still assume their payment, but that guy's on the hook now mm-hmm. if in the event that you don't make the payment. Right. And now you also have to. And and by the way, that's a consideration. If I wasn't representing the seller, it's not something I really care about, but. It is a consideration nonetheless. <coughs> and if you're going to be, you know, buying and holding because you don't think you can sell it quickly enough, then that ARV or, you know, just whatever the value of the property is, is you know, in, in the future, you have to really weigh that against how much that equity line of credit was for that 50000 you know, if, mm-hmm. if that's worth it. Right. Can you really get your money out? So i familiar with Inkster. I used to have a home on Parkwood. And... I don't know, you know, when you say good or bad, mm. with all due respect to any Inkster residents right. who've been there a long time because it's, you know, there's a lot of great people over there. But that value, that $50,000 underlying mortgage, I mean, what property in Inkster are you referring to that you have such a huge upside? It's uh, it's actually almost in a garden city. Oh, well, now, okay. It's Cherry Hill and okay. Middle Belt. So it's, okay. there's it's, a difference. Yeah. Right. But... Again, that's why every deal is different, mm-hmm. and all these different considerations have to come into play before you even sign on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. And um, again, getting back to your question about the real estate license, 
is about having access to the data, yes, right? Yeah. To make mm-hmm. sure that that's really what that you want. That it comps out. Right. Because mm-hmm. as an agent, you should have, you know, after a while, you should have better information than you could ever rely on some homeowner telling you, oh, yes, this property is the greatest. It's in this school <laughs> yeah. district mm-hmm. or whatever. You'll have the best information because school districts, as you yeah. know, uh, everybody here knows that that's a huge determining factor on value. Has a huge impact. It's tough because yeah. we've I did a lot of research and I try to I we kind of started finding out that Inkster isn't the most desirable area for investors. Yeah. So we are on also another big page, the Metro Detroit page. It's got yeah. a lot of people. You right. see a lot of houses being posted. So I actually went in there, went in a search bar, just put an Inkster. I wanted to find out how much activity it's getting, who might actually be doing business there. And I started seeing prices that people were only wanting to pay forty five thousand for a three one house. Well, we happen to have a four two house, and it's all the mechanicals are amazing in it. This house barely needs much done to it, mm-hmm. but it is the biggest in that neighborhood, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's hard to get people to be looking at that price point because they're finding stuff way cheaper. Or so, they go to the uh, Garden City. Yeah, which is just a street over. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that that's a problem. But so those are the things like. Uh, again, not only my real estate attorney, but I also invest in property. Mine are different in the sense that I'm doing mortgages or land contracts, but I'm still looking at the same thing. We still have to consider the same things that you're considering mm-hmm. when you're looking to buy and hold. That issue of an inkster, I mean, at least you're here and you were able to see it, mm-hmm. right? I have real estate investors from all over the world who have quite a few properties in inkster who become very disappointed once they learn what they're really engaging with, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the contract's just one part of your whole equation. Yeah. You know, you have We're more things to out. consider, right? Yeah, right. absolutely. One of the things that, that I, I'm piecing together is we're not all native Metro Detroiters. Um, so, you know, obviously, so are you originally from Georgia? Is that where it was? That's where Paul is from? No, so I'm actually from Washington State. And when I was okay. in high school, I moved to Indiana. Paul grew up in Indiana. And we met there. We both went to college there. And then when we got pregnant with our daughter, we moved to Georgia. Okay. And then we spent a few years there. And I swore I would never move to Michigan and deal with the gloom and the gray and the cold. (laughs) It's not Seattle. It's It's not like it's Seattle. Seattle. I was in Washington on the other side of the mountains. Mm -hmm. So it was actually like almost desert where I grew up. Super warm all Mm -hmm. the time, dry. But So now here we are in Michigan. So you're originally from Arizona? No, originally Utah. My okay. Dad was in the military, but I was in Arizona for like but you 20 were years. out west. Yeah. Gotcha. Where it's warm and dry, uh, humid. Yeah. No uh, I, I grew up in Michigan, but I'm from the northern part of the state. I'm from Houghton Lake. Um, and in Michigan, we don't uh, measure things in distance. We measure it in time. So Houghton Lake is three hours away. So that's our <laughs> unit of measurement. Um, so I moved to Metro Detroit about a decade ago uh, for a teaching job. Actually, my, my degree is in education. And so what I'm noticing is like, since we're not all native Metro Detroiters, it can be difficult, um, just not having that, like, you don't have like the aerial view of the Tri-County area. You're not familiar. When you, Amber, um, mentioned that your property was an Inkster, I had to look it up to see where it was. I had no idea where Inkster was. Um, and then that's why, you know, I, I gave you a private message with, uh, some contact information. The reason why is because I knew that that person lived in that area. Well, that's, yeah. that's the only reason why. Um, so I have decided just for like my own ability, I only have the capacity really to work Macomb County. Um, I've only ever lived on the East side. 
And just because that's where the teaching job was, so I graduated in the middle of the state, central Michigan, um, a boo to a Western. I'm only saying that because a Western grad is in the room. Um, but so I only moved to the area where I currently live for the teaching job and I was in St. Clair Shores forever. So when I thought about tackling like Wayne County or Oakland County, I really wanted to, but then I was just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything like Oakland County to me is like Royal Oak at Ferndale. And I've only just gone to dinner there a few times. And like Wayne County to me is Detroit. Oh, there's other things in Wayne County besides Detroit, you know? So I just, I don't really have that like big picture of it. So I just, yeah, when you're trying to tackle areas that you don't really understand, I mean, even just the city of Warren, just knowing the city of Warren is such a large area. And like the North end is just such a different demographic than the South end. Um, and I was speaking with a realtor who, when he gave me his card, I saw that he was out of Bloomfield Hills and he's trying to tell me the, the information for a home that he's showing me at like eight and a half mile, trying to tell me, you know, like what he believes it would comp for. I didn't tell him that he was incorrect, but I'm just like, well, maybe you were pulling your comps at like 12 mile because you are not anywhere ballpark. Um, thank you for your time. You know, like that kind of thing. So at least I like know a little portion, but it is difficult when, you know, when you try to step out of your wheelhouse, it can be, you know, it can be a challenge. It's just a number. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Bri. I was just going to ask if you've been in Michigan. The yeah, whole time. I'm a light. You know what? You're a lifer. I, it's funny. Yeah. You put me in the category. Like you ladies are from all <laughs> over. I'm from Southfield, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I grew up in We're Southfield. Exciting. Yeah, in Oakland County. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was kind of joking before I came here. I mean, I needed a, to come to Romeo today. I needed to rent a U-Haul and a camper because <laughs> it just felt so far. Yeah. But I, I you know, again, I've owned property. All, in fact, I have a property right in Mount Pleasant by an area called Breckenridge, which yes. is a city, Breckenridge. Yes. I have a good so, friend from Breckenridge. Oh, do you? I hope yes. it's not my client because she's no. about to be out. No, his, his, name, is, his name is Steve. <laughs> okay. S Steve is now in Maine. Okay. The post-graduation. Post but what but I yeah. want, you, you brought up an excellent uh, uh, topic or concept, again, which is, like know your customer, you yeah. have to know in, in real estate investment, you have to know your locality. Mm -hmm. You have to, you really have to know it because you can go, especially in like the Inksters. You, I just told you, we were just talking about mm -hmm. being close to Garden City. Mm -hmm. uh, in certain areas, one street will make a whole difference mm -hmm. in your investing and your rate of return. So you need to know everything about if you're in Macomb, and that's where you feel comfortable, then learn everything there is about Macomb. Macomb's a huge county. Yeah. You know, Oakland County's a huge county. Wayne is massive. All, th all three are right. enormous. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's enough business. You know, <coughs> stay here in Macomb and, yeah. and, you know, until you feel comfortable moving elsewhere. But again, getting back to having, I'm great at bringing things back full <laughs> circle, but that license that you have, mm -hmm. then you can, when you're really skilled at pulling up data, then you can go anywhere you want in the country because you'll know I'm looking for these items and you'll know how to comp it out. But the one thing you'll never get from that data online is the experience of somebody who's truly in the field on the yeah. ground, who's going mm -hmm. to take a look at a piece of property. Yeah. And so if you're out of state and you have to rely on third parties, you better trust that individual uh, to go out because I have been, I have been burned go, you know, getting into the business years ago. That's how you get burned. Uh, us too. Honestly, we, we don't know the area mm -hmm. um, with us. The skydiving operation is pretty far west. Like we're close to Jackson. So we're oh. nowhere even near the metro area. So 
we're learning it as we go. And me being a new real estate agent too, I'm trying to figure that out. And there are times that you get on and you start looking at comps and you're like, well, there's these houses that are actually priced pretty well, but then there's these ones over here that are kind of like hit and miss. And there was one in Oak Park. We actually drove all the way out to Oak Park. A guy had an open house for, he was wholesaling a deal. And he's tried saying the ARV is anywhere from 185 to 200. Well, in that same residential area, the eastern side of it wasn't as nice as the western side of it. And you're talking within five to seven streets. Mm -hmm. And the house he was on, you maybe could get 145, 150. And it was like you wouldn't know it until you actually drove it. Yeah. So it's Mm -hmm. tough sometimes. So, I mean, right to your point, I have an investor who um, unfortunately had to hire me well, for me, it was good, but for them, not so good. Uh, he purchased a property, let's say, outside of Ann Arbor. And nowhere, anywhere on the listing or in his data did uh, was he made aware that there was a railroad, an active railroad, mm-hmm. across the street in the woods. He picked up the property. It's an investment property. And now he's trying to sell it. Well, had he come to the property or had somebody he could have trusted, mm-hmm. he would have found that, you know what, that train runs three times a day. And the reason why he got such mm-hmm. a great deal on it is because uh, the engineer <laughs> to that train really likes to use the horn. Yeah, okay. And so that's a seller disclosure, seller's disclosure issue. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't know unless you go visit that property. Mm-hmm. But again, that's where getting creative can be so wonderful because... For an Airbnb, Hmm. I don't care. As long as I put in my listing that the train comes, my guests don't care. They have to put up with it for three days. I actually look for properties. I'm not not buying. I'm renting. But rental prices are affected by this too. I want a good neighborhood with the worst school because I know that lowers the rent value. My guests aren't sending their kids to school. I'm not letting them park in my garage because I have to pay extra on my insurance. I don't care if there's a garage, if there's no basement. Things that would be more important to an investor or even Mm -hmm. a homeowner they don't matter to someone who has an Airbnb. I'm looking at numbers the same way. And so like your property, you're having a hard time selling it. I don't know Inkster at all. Yeah, they're not going to Airbnb. Do. They're not yeah. going to do an Airbnb in Inkster, I can assure you. You really would be surprised at what people come for. Like mm. we get a lot of funerals. We get a lot of people. Yeah. Sorry. Family. We get work. We get, so if there's anything, I mean, if there's a large um, company in that area who maybe brings in contract or something like that, you start marketing to Airbnb owners mm-hmm. and you just find Facebook groups with Airbnb, you know, they're for Airbnb hosts mm-hmm. and you throw your property in there and say, this is what I'm doing. And they're like, all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, this is a great deal. I can't find this on the MLS because most Airbnb investors are not connected with other types of real estate investors. We kind of stay in our own corner. And for a long time, I feel like it was because people who did Airbnb, it wasn't real real estate investing, right? We weren't like playing with the big boys yet. And so that's, again, where as these RIAs become more prevalent in different areas and there's meetups and these Airbnb people come and start getting involved, you start to realize how that synergy and like, well, it may not work for you as a buy and hold, but it works great for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's, again, just that creative right. thinking outside the box. I'd like to know how you describe that train, that train track on Airbnb. I actually, so I, I want to know. We got to make this interesting. Wake up call. Oh, yeah. What's your wake up call? There you go. Right. Honestly, what I would do is I would say like maybe not suitable for people with small kids because I know if you're, mm-hmm. if, because if my kid right. goes to nap at two o'clock in the afternoon and that train comes through, I'm going to be pissed yes. if my kid wakes up. But if I'm coming with my friends, I'm going to be gone all day. We get a lot of people who work. So if the train comes t- by in the afternoon, right. they're not there anyways. I don't care if it comes by once at night. 
they got a good deal on the property. Maybe it means that you have to price a little below something else in the area. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things that are not a big deal for an Airbnb it's because so it's not long term. Got it. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, really good. What's the longest you've had someone actually stay in an Airbnb? <laughs> so I had a booking for two months. And I think she made it three weeks before we had to end our, our relationship mm. and um, she went and stayed somewhere else. So we have kind of a rule now and we have to be very careful with discrimination. Um, so we, we don't discriminate or anything. But if they're local, especially in this area, they're typically up to no good. Okay. There are a lot of, I won't get into them, but some illegal activities that Airbnb is um, a hotspot for because things that you couldn't get away with in a hotel or you know, someone's personal home, you can get away with in an Airbnb uh -huh. and it's no big deal. So we are, if, if you're local, if you're coming from Detroit, you're probably here to party spring break this time this of year. This is a PG program. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to read between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Talk yeah. Later. <laughs> um, no, there's a lot of things that, that just go on. So if they're local, we typically don't do it. If they're a longer stay, I know some guests, some hosts love guests who are staying for three months. The longer someone stays, the more they're going to nitpick things. And I'm not in the business of rehabbing these houses because I don't own them. And so I do. And I, one of the conditions of my lease is that minor maintenance I cover where a standard tenant wouldn't. It's part of how I convince a landlord to go with me. I'd say, you know, I'm a better tenant because I will do these things. So the longer they stay, the more issues they're going to have, the more they're going to pick up on. So I prefer shorter stays. We try to keep it under two weeks hmm. personally interesting i've heard too around hospitals are a good place because families are coming in for treatments and things like that and that is a huge spot for airbnb airbnbs because they're going to stay for a month and the price that they would be paying for a hotel and now they have a whole house and their whole family can be there like if they have a child that's sick and they need right. to take them in constantly like that's another hot spot that i've heard about yeah it is and i you know i'm part of a lot of different airbnb groups with for hosts so i i hear things and i read and i try to stay pretty active um, I will say it's gone both ways. I've heard hosts who love it and they do that exact thing. They only stay by the hospitals. And I've heard hosts who have also said the, the clientele is a little different. They're more price conscious because they know things mm -hmm. are coming. A lot of times there's a loss of income. So they tend to be nitpickier about things. They're more looking for a reason for a discount. Mm -hmm. So it, I think it all depends on area and what kind of host you are and whether you're willing to deal with that. i it's not worth a headache for me. I have a husband and children to fight with all day long, so I don't want to fight with other people. Yeah, you have to pick and choose what it is that you're willing to to deal with or to take on, especially when you're trying to do this with a family. So like one of my like big philosophies is whatever it is that you are trying to add to your life should also add value to your life. Like you're doing this to enhance and increase the different things. You're not trying to damage relationships or anything like that. Cause one of the things that I've talked to with other women, uh, investors, especially those who are mothers is, um, there's a lot of like a lot of self-imposed mom guilt that goes with, goes with a lot of stuff. And I don't want to be a distracted parent, um, as well. So you just have to really kind of narrow in like, what do I have the capacity for and just operate there? Because that all changes as your family changes, like your dynamic will always change. So I have to focus on, like, I always have to kind of snap myself out of it and remember, like, this is all I can do for right now. This right. isn't my forever, this is for, <laughs> you know, like just, just chill out and just focus on what you can focus on right now. And don't try to put your hands in everything. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We definitely try to do the same way. Our kids are small, so all of our Airbnbs have toys in them for guests to come and have kids. (laughs) So my kids, they all have Netflix. My kids love going to the Airbnbs, and there's, like, specific toys that are only there. We make sure we don't have the same toys at home because otherwise they won't be exciting. And if I need to go and clean or I need to fix something, my kids get to play, and they they love the Airbnbs. They're all – most of them are all by parks, too. A couple are across the street from parks. So my kids, like, know that Airbnb means we get to go to the park when it's nice. I think a a big thing too, being a newer investor and a lot of people tend to watch like HDTV and they think, oh, this is going to be easy. You know, I can flip a house better than that. I think like you said, some things aren't as glamorous as they may appear. (laughs) And uh, it's definitely work. It's, it's not the easiest to get into. And it's a lot of, a lot of work for sure. We've been out uh-huh. late till 10, 11 o'clock going to like three, four RIAs in a week, you know, just networking, finding people and learning things. And I think that's a big thing that people need to understand. Yeah. It may seem nice that you might eventually only be working four hours a week, but the beginning is definitely, you got to put in the work for sure. Yeah. And just once I would like to see Chip and Joanna be real right. with each other. <laughs> like what is going on off camera? <laughs> Exactly. I don't know if we want to see that. Sometimes she doesn't seem to be thrilled with his antics. I think he's funny. I do too. <laughs> All right. On. Um, so speaking of like narrowing it down to four hours in a week, uh, one really influential book that I read when I first jumped into being being an entrepreneur of any kind is uh, The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris, which is definitely a book that I would recommend. Um, I don't actually see a 4-Hour Workweek for myself as a real estate investor, or at least I can't see it in like this perspective that I have at the time, maybe at some point in time, but I don't really see how this could become passive income. So um, like what... I guess the question I'm trying to get at is like, what really are your goals for jumping into real estate investing anyway? So like my goal is not passive income. Um, but as I briefly stated, I used to be an elementary school teacher. So I used to teach elementary school and the long and the short of it is I resigned from teaching because my salary was abysmal and I wanted more. Um, so that's basically it. And then I just kind of, um, stumbled my way into real estate investing. I didn't even really realize what I was doing was real estate investing because I was flipping homes. I figured I'm just supplementing my income. And then somebody finally like defined, um, defined to me, like what you are doing is real estate investing and you should pursue like the, the greater picture that's out there. Um, so really my goal with real estate investing is to, Uh, obviously build an income stream for myself and my family, but I have a lot of community outreach that I'm involved in and I work with teens. Uh, My husband and I run a teen ministry out of our church and we do a lot of outreach. We're based in Mount Clemens and there's a huge, huge need for outreach. Um, Just meeting children's like basic needs, not even like speaking into their lives about their careers and their future. Cause some of the kids that we talk to, we try to talk to them about their career and they're like my career, like what am I going to have for dinner? Like that's Mm -hmm. what's on my mind. So, so my, my like why, I guess you would say like, that's kind of a cliche thing, but like, what is your why for doing what it is that you do? Um, but mine is, mine is outreach so that I 
so that I can, to a greater capacity, like independently finance the different outreach things um, that I want to do aside from like building an income stream. So does anybody else here at the table have like any greater goal other than, you know, other than your bank account? And if it is just your bank account, that's awesome because vacations and, and stuff is fun too. I mean, having financial freedom is always uh -huh. everyone's number one goal. Um, that was kind of ours as well. We're obviously the adventurous type. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like, so do you want to own your own skydiving facility at some point or have your own plane or uh, anything like that? That was actually our first initial kind of go at it when we got into it, realized we can make money doing skydiving. So we're instructors, strap mm -hmm. people to us, throw them out of the plane, that kind of thing. <laughs> Thought that was fun. Um, but kind of getting into it more and learning more about it. I'm like, uh, it's again, not really going to be the retirement plan that we were looking for. Yeah. Um, so traveling is definitely big for us getting the financial freedom for me personally, honestly, I love helping people. And I think that's the big part of it. Like, with this first house in Inkster, like, I, I don't know, I just want to really help this guy out. He needs to get out of this house. He can't, he can no longer actually even live in it. Uh, he's wheelchair bound. The house has an upper story to it. Uh, he needs to get into a better place and the kids can't afford to take on the house. So mm. I feel like I'm helping someone else out, you know? And yeah. It's yeah. Of, I don't even feel like yeah. you feel like it. Like you absolutely are, you know, and that's what, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand outside of it is like, you know, we're not sharks coming in trying to get whatever it is, there are those out there. But yeah, like if a person has a home that just would not sell, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, to the general public on the MLS, they but they still need to sell that home, you come in and then you are that helping hand or that service for them. Exactly. For sure. That's what I love about it. And even here, like I'm mostly from Arizona. We don't have the houses like you guys have in Detroit. I love going down to Detroit. The architecture there is yeah, just amazing. Um, and I love the fact that investors are coming in and keeping the houses up and going because there's a lot of, unfortunately, you know, areas that are kind of going down and there's us coming in and trying to help keep it going. That's what I mm -hmm. like to see about the whole thing. So, and it's not a nine to five job, you know, I'm, it's still work. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of work, but I'm not stuck in a building or at a desk from a certain amount of time. So that's what I like about it. That's the freedom I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Brie, what are your goals? Uh, Paul and I, when we got into this, we figured out like exactly what the number was, how many doors it would take for him to quit his job. Of course. And of yeah, course you did. Yeah, because Paul loves numbers. Come out completely. I yeah. say we so I could take the credit, but it was totally <laughs> Paul. <laughs> so we decided and we were like, this is it. And we, we don't want to just hit that number and be done. But when we got married, like we love to travel. So we actually, in lieu of a wedding, we had like a really nice hillbilly wedding. I think it cost us like $111 total. And we just went to Costa Rica. And every Fantastic. year, yeah, it was great. I wouldn't do it any differently. So for us, it's really, we want to travel. We want to take our kids. I never went out of the country until I met Paul. He's been everywhere. So we wanted our kids to have those experiences. Awesome. Yep. The same here. Definitely want to provide a lifestyle and just get a, have a bigger perspective for my kids than just, you know what I mean? Just like their, their tablet and their public school education okay. for sure. What about you, Mr. Sobel? When you grow up, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, this has been really one of the most interesting podcasts that I have been on in so long because usually I'm with other men and women. And I'm not I'm just going to tell you that the emotion that is in this podcast <laughs> is like you can feel it. Like, it's great. Mm -hmm. uh, usually it's very cut and dry, right? But today, this is wonderful. Um, no, you know, I'm at the point of my career that it's mostly giving back now. Yeah. Um, 
I'm much older than all three of you. And oh yes. And uh, but I'm going to share with you that uh, I'm at the point that I just enjoy what I do, and everything else comes later. And uh, that's what what do they call that? The uh, there's a program like what's that called? Come on, Bree, you know. No, you're you're well read. Uh, open and receive. I forgot what that. There was a company or a program out there. Um, Okay, well, forget it. <laughs> Anyways, we'll but yeah, that's what I, that, you know, so mm -hmm. I'm at the point that that's how I like to, to work. Yeah. And um, I know yeah. that there are certain medical foundations that, you're, that you give to. Or maybe well, uh, you know what, my company, Sobel Law, uh -huh. uh, works with uh, uh, Game on Cancer. Yes, that's And uh, what it is. one of the ladies who I work with quite closely, who's a very good friend, and she's our client service manager as well. She runs our local Game on Cancer program. And so that's mm -hmm. for... Uh, just a cancer uh, foundation that's ran by the Henry Ford Hospitals, and we're a partner with them. Uh, the whole program is geared towards non-medical support. So it helps people who, this is really unfortunate, uh, who have to make, let's say, a choice between uh, cancer treatments and paying their rent. Sure. Or paying for their food bill or their basic expenses. Mm -hmm. So this program raises money to help families uh, for that type of support. So uh, we're pretty involved with that. Oh, fantastic. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. But, you know, what I, what I enjoy doing most uh, at, at my stage in the career is working with new investors mm. and seeing how, and I've had, uh, I've been blessed over the many years that when I do work with a new investor, let's say, you see how they grow. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to the Michigan Real Estate Investor Network podcast. Let's call it the network. To subscribe to the show, go to www.michiganreinetwork.com where you can have the show sent right to your inbox. Subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to be on a future show, there's a link on the site to submit your info. The network is 100% focused on the Michigan real estate investing community. Whether you're brand new or a grizzled vet, we want you to be a part and share the love.